All right, boys and girls, episode 120 is about to start with Liam Martin. Many of you probably don't know who this guy is, and I did not know either until his assistant reached out to me as she was looking for him to hop on different podcasts that would kind of mirror what he does on the online space of building online businesses with remote employees. Since I have a lot of coaches listening to this uh, podcast that have online businesses, this episode is for you. And anyone who's interested in marketing or just the online space in general, this episode has a lot of great information as Liam has been doing this for a long time and has a lot of experience building brands and online empires with employees all around the world. So let's get right into it. Here's Liam. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Liam Martin. Say hello. Hey, how are you guys? So I'm good. I'm good. So I always like to start my show by asking my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? I am uh, going to be traveling over the weekend and then um, probably going to try to hit a birthday party, friend of mine, um, somewhere Saturday night, and then probably going to try to get into the gym nice. at least once this weekend if nice. I can. I have not been in the last three days. Awesome. Yeah, so it would be kind of interesting to like start off the show to kind of give an intro of who you are and what you do because you're kind of the first person I've had on my show that's not directly related to the fitness industry. So can you do like a small little intro of like who you are, what you do, and how did you get into the industry that you're in? For sure. So um, I am a a human male that uh, exists on planet Earth, and I work at a tech company. I founded that company with my co-founder, Rob, and the company is called Time Doctor, and uh, staff.com. And we basically provide infrastructure for people that want to hire remote employees. So we have these remote employees all over the world. We have 80 plus people in 27 different countries. And our mission statement in the company is that we want to empower people to work wherever they want, whenever they want. So we try to build tools and, um, and get behind movements that connect to that mission statement. So the way that I've come actually to this particular podcast is just uh, a couple months ago, we announced our first big conference on kind of a think tank connected to how to build remote teams, which we're calling Running Remote. And it's going to be just getting a whole bunch of fantastic people that are really thinking about the newest concepts connected to how to build remote teams and how to facilitate that process efficiently. And um, and have those people talk about it for two days in Ubud, Bali, in nice. uh, in Indonesia, in these really cool tree houses made out of bamboo in the sky. Uh, we can put like 500 people in them. I think it's going to be pretty nuts. And so we're all going to talk about that and come back to um, a, basically a playbook on how to build serious remote teams. Because it's a relatively new concept, and we're only now really starting to get our head around it. Awesome. So with this conference, like who's signing up to it? Because I'm kind of curious to see, you know, what industries are kind of gearing towards to learn about hiring remote employees. Like who's signing up for this thing? It is 
it is really weird the amount of people that are the, the kinds of people that are signing up. Uh, we have a guy who makes drums, so he does like um, like jungle drum, tam tam drums, mm -hmm. and he has a company of thirty to forty people, and he has a concept where he wants to actually start to have all of his employees making drums at home. So he wants mm -hmm. to basically like outsource manufacturing, but not outsourcing it actually like saying hey here's all of the components of a drum go make them at your house which is an interesting concept and he needs some best practices uh, we have a couple government agencies i don't know if i can name them because they might get um can i swear on your podcast 100 percent, yeah, yeah. I, I always ask that question beforehand because sometimes i automatically jump into like yeah. pissed off yeah. and then uh realize oh wow this is not a this is not that type of podcast. We've got to be family friendly here. So, um, yeah, so a bunch of different, you know, government agencies. We've got Dolby Digital, the guys that make the big speakers for um, for uh, movie theaters. They're coming. And then we also have a lot of just tech companies. So the people that are speaking at the event, we have um, Buffer that does social media. We have... Uh, GitHub and GitLab, which are you know product product based companies for developers. We have project management companies, um, just a whole bunch of people, and then also too a lot of co working spaces actually because they're also a very interesting perspective on remote work. They're really kind of empowering people to take that first step outside of the office, where it's not too scary if you move them directly from an office to a co working space because. It's not as big of a jump as sitting in your underwear working from home. Yeah. So when you started Time Doctor, like what was the like first thought? Like how did you come up with that idea? And can you also talk about like how it works? Because for myself, <laughs> when I run my business, like my MacBook constantly has all my notifications from Facebook and mm -hmm. my text messages coming through. And it's so easy to be like, oh, what does this person want? And then you stop writing what you were writing or working on the thing that you're working on. So if you can kind of elaborate on how you first started Time Doctor and what it can do as, you know, if you're a business owner. Sure. So we started Time Doctor six years ago, and it actually came from me building a previous business, which was an online tutoring company. So I was teaching um, at McGill University, <clears throat> and I remember that very clearly. I went in, and I was very excited about teaching because this was kind of like my thing. I was in grad school at McGill, and I was planning on having uh, teaching be my career. So I went in. 300 students, first year sociology class, and by the end of that year, I had less than 150 students. Basically a, a disaster uh, when you come down to, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it. I remember talking, uh, going to my supervisor's office and saying, I don't think I'm very good at this. And he said, no, you are not. <laughs> and I said, so what should I do? And he said, well, if you want to keep teaching and you know, go down this path, you're going to have to do this for about 10 years. So you're either going to have to get really good at teaching or figure something else out. And I decided to figure something else out. So I uh, got a master's degree, um, wrote up 200 pages on something. I can't even remember what I wrote uh, my, my thesis about. Got the master's degree. And then <clears throat> after that, I started an online tutoring company because I realized that I really liked educating people, but I didn't necessarily like lecturing. 
And I'm sure probably some of your trainers have that same perspective as well, where individually interacting with somebody is a lot more rewarding than speaking to 300 people, as an example. So I turned that into about 200 tutors throughout North America and Europe, and we specialized in uh, pre-med. So bio one, two, chem one, two, math one, two, you know, the, all of the medical prerequisites that you need to enter, enter medical school. And one of the problems that we had in that business was I would bill out a student for 10 hours of work. And then that student would come back to me saying, well, I didn't work with my tutor for 10 hours. I only worked with him for five. So then I'd go to the tutor and say, did you work with Jimmy for 10 hours? And Jimmy would say, of course I did. Or sorry, the tutor would say, of course I did. So I'd end up having to refund the student for five hours and pay the tutor for the full 10 hours. And that left me in the hole at the end of the day. And this was a continuous problem inside of that business model. So Time Doctor was a tool that you could use to not only track time, but also measure how, what exactly you were doing throughout your workday. So as an example, I'm currently doing the task of podcast. I've been doing it for 11 minutes and 13 seconds. And at the end of this call, I can actually measure what websites, applications, mouse movements, and keyboard movements I took to be able to basically do this podcast and compare that to all the other podcasts that I've done. <clears throat> and then you can do really cool stuff with machine learning and artificial intelligence where you can figure out, well, what makes a podcast good for me? Um, why, you, if you are a trainer, as an example, let's say that you're doing online training um, with students, because I'm sure there's probably some online trainers out there that are just working with people virtually mm -hmm. and keeping people accountable. What makes a particular trainer more successful than another trainer? We can collect all of that data because once we get the endpoints, not to necessarily get too nerdy and technical with it, our AI can analyze that data and then provide you a result saying, well, the reason why your top 10% of trainers are successful is because of XYZ, is because they uh, really pump people up at the beginning of the call, and that seems to keep people motivated, as an example. So you can analyze those data, that data on like a uh, meta scale, so that you can just analyze all the different variables that impact it, and uh, then figure out, okay, well, here's why people are successful in their jobs, and now let's implement that company-wide so that we're all as productive as humanly possible. That's really cool because like I've had a lot of online coaches on the show and I always ask them like how they do it and I get a different answer from every single person because right. some people like for myself I like to check in with my clients online every single day like I'll just right. do a quick email like hey how's it going have you done this have you did like how did your workout feel yesterday something like that and then I had another coach where the client will check in with them at the end of the week. And it should mm. be like almost a short story of an email and he doesn't mm. do any Skype calls. I like to do Skype calls. And it's kind of interesting because there's no like template of like how to do online coaching. It's almost like wherever you feel that would work better for you almost. And then there's a bunch of people out there in the world that don't know any different and they just kind of go with it. So it'd be kind of cool to see it like an application like Time Doctor to kind of, 
I would almost bulletproof your business or like fine tune it if that makes sense. For sure. The the other thing that's kind of scary is what is the definition of good? Yeah. Um, so as an example, does good mean you're an online coach, you're coaching um, your your clients? Does good mean um, muscle growth over a certain amount of time? Does muscle does it does it mean hey they've or or them losing weight or does it mean they are um, they're continuing to pay you over an extended amount of time? So let's say you have two three different situations. Situation one, someone's getting jacked as fuck, right? They're just like they're three hundred pounds of pure steel and they started at one twenty and a year later they're three hundred pounds. They've been juicing obviously <laughs> to be able to get to that point. But like, hey, you know what? I don't judge. That's the way you want to run your your coaching business. So that's that's situation one. Situation two, you've got somebody who was three hundred pounds and now they're down to one fifty. And um and, and that's one thing. And then a third situation is you have a student that was with you for two years. They haven't lost any weight or gained any muscle, but they're really happy about the service. Mm-hmm. Which situation do you pick? Situation one and two is better for your client. Situation three is better for you. Yeah. Because you've extended your lifetime value. Uh, and, and that's a very interesting, difficult question to answer because sometimes we'll end up coming back with answers for companies that they don't really want to hear. So as an example, how do we improve um, uh, how do we improve, improve employee retention? And we'll come back saying, well, actually, it looks like all of your employees hate their job because of manager Jeff. And manager Jeff is a huge dick, and he's been managing these 60 people, and everyone hates Jeff, and you don't know that everyone hates Jeff, and you need to fire Jeff. And I'm talking to Jeff, and Jeff was the one that implemented the software. Like, that's a, that's a difficult thing to, to come up with, but, you know, it's pretty definitive that people don't like Jeff. So that, that's, a, that's something that I think also needs to kind of – be analyzed as well, but I think there are some things that you can learn, and we're only now scratching the surface of measuring human potential in a quantitative way as it applies to interactions, mm-hmm. so social interactions, basically. I, I kind of see it as sociology at scale, because I can analyze hundreds of thousands of people, and I can figure out, as long as you tell me what the endpoint is, meaning, hey, this person lost weight or this person gained muscle, uh, and you have that as a measurement somewhere else, then I can apply success versus failures and then basically optimize for success. And then the machine learning algorithms can run out and say, okay, well, it looks like um, for some reason if you wear red you know, headphones, your success is, you know, 2x what it regularly is. Sometimes the the AI will come back with stuff that's just crazy, but then it does make sense long term. So when you started using Time Doctor and the other companies (laughs) and business owners started using it, what was kind of like the main trend that you saw constantly pop up of like, a lot of people waste time doing this or a lot of people do this? Like, was there any kind of trends that you guys saw? Sure. Uh, I've given the trends a name. It's called the distraction economy. Okay. So I believe now, and um, I don't know when we're going to release this, but Cambridge Analytica just happened yeah. uh, just a day ago. And Cambridge Analytica is this basically machine learning company that stole a whole bunch of data from Facebook through illegitimate means and is now engineering politics. 
at scale. So telling you exactly what to say or exactly what piece of content to put together, what type of tweet, what type of Facebook message to put together to get someone pissed off enough that they will not vote for Clinton or vote for Trump. That's, that's crazy. That's yeah. nuts. But they're doing it, and it's working really, really well. And I got to tell you, from me being sitting on the on you know <clears throat> sitting inside of this camp, it's spooky the amount of stuff that you can uh, currently do with people. So that's one thing that I think is very much um, going to be coming up in the next probably six to twelve months is just engineering this towards everything like i probably believe that within the next two years you're going to have something like this apply to personal trainers like i think you'll actually have a fitbit as an example not to necessarily get off tangent here but you'll have like fitbit 4.0 or 10.0 or whatever it is that'll be able to measure all those metrics Mm -hmm. all those metrics will come back into you as the trainer and then you'll be able to know exactly what action you need to take whether you need to kind of yell at your client or, um, or, you know, coddle them as yeah. an example. Yeah. Yeah. Like I it's interesting that you brought that up. Cause I remember reading an article when like all the Fitbits and like the Apple watches started getting really popular and someone wrote like, it's great that it tracks those things, but what do you do with that information? Right. It's like, Oh, you did 10,000 steps. What does that mean? It doesn't really like right. give you anything. And then the person who wrote the article said like the moment you get, a device or a watch that says you need to wake up at this time you need to eat at this time eat these certain foods do this workout then your goals are going to happen then that will be a game changer and uh, last year I was at a conference and I was chatting with a guy who got a job similar to what Jordan Syed has with Gary um, training this billionaire in the tech company like in a giant tech company and he introduced him to all these different tech startups in the fitness industry that are creating fitness products. And his role is to basically tell him if it would work in the industry. And he said mm. out of the 17 that he was like a consultant for, maybe two will make it to market in his opinion. And one of those companies are making one of those things where it will literally tell you what you need to do in order to reach your goal. And I'm like, holy shit, like that's going to like blow people's minds if that comes to market on a large scale. For sure. I'm currently advising a company right now called HealthBrain that can predict when you're going to have a heart attack about six hours before you do using a Fitbit. So it measures the heart rate variability and can build a signal on that outcome because it's recorded so many heart attacks with a Fitbit and it can tell you, well, you're going to have a heart attack, go to the hospital, or there's a high chance that you're beginning, you're in the beginning stages of a heart attack, get to a hospital immediately. Um, that's a huge market. That's a multi-trillion dollar market yeah. that is directly connected to the exercise industry, right? So I think that these all are kind of coming together in a very interesting way where you'll probably within the next couple of years have the thing that you're suggesting. Yeah. I need to get up a certain time. I need to do that. But you know what? I think the coaching industry, what they really need to go deep on right now is I know I'm supposed to eat uh, chicken breasts and you know salad without any dressing on it today. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to do that. So I think 
the coaches could really go deep on trying to get those people motivated into that direction and just keeping them charged, right? From that accountability perspective, I think is just such a huge value prop because I know for me, um, uh, for two years, uh, I was working completely in an engineered way, meaning I would be told when to work out. I'd be told when to, you know, eat. I'd be told what to do. And it was, I was in fantastic shape um, from that. And uh, only now, actually, because of all of my traveling, had I've been able to, I've, I've fallen off of that particular wagon. But it does work. You just need your systems in place to be able to do it. And I think that you'll have a, I think software will be able to augment human capability so that that is possible for so many more people and just the costs will go way down. So you'll be able to really only focus on the motivational component and the data saying, hey, you're not where you're at. You know, why are you not where you're at? How can we get you there? Is going to be so much more powerful when you have all that data available to you. Okay. So what, in your opinion, like, for the coaches listening, what kind of software should they kind of pay attention to that might actually help their business both like to their day-to-day and also with their clients that they might not know? Because what I use for like coaching clients, there's a company called Trainerize where I can create programs for them. They can track their weights, their sets, their reps. There's a video attached to every single thing, but it's kind of limited of what you can do. So like, I like using Trainerize, but there's so many things that it could do more of and the mm. company's not really growing as fast as I would like it to. But is mm. there any software that you know of that coaches should be using to kind of help their business? I would say probably, and let's focus on the marketing side because that's what I can mm-hmm. speak to personally. Um, in terms of the actual architecture of how to collect that data, I'm probably not very good at that, but I would say everything is going to, it, it, even if you're not a very good trainer, and I'm sure that everyone listening right now is, quote unquote, a good trainer, but um, if you have a continuous customer list, if you have a, a continuous source of traffic that's bringing you in fresh leads, you're going to be just fine. So. Um, I think the biggest thing that people can do right now is to build themselves out as uh, a brand and then really focus on making sure that you have a reliable source of leads coming into that business. So as an example, I probably could kind of give you something that does somewhat apply. I, um, I am also an advisor for a mermaid school. Wow. And that sounds pretty weird, but yeah. <laughs> basically it is a, it, it's a, it's a, about, there are about 16 locations right now and you put on a mermaid tail and you jump into a pool and they give you a lesson on how to be a mermaid. And the, um, the business is, is quite new and quite different. And the biggest thing that we focused on was figuring out exactly who wants a product like that. So getting very focused on the customer avatar. That's mm-hmm. people call it other things, but I'm going to call it customer avatar. So we have like and it's a woman's name and we talk about exactly who that woman is. The woman is I think 26 years old. Uh she's watched The Little Mermaid a few times. She knows of The Little Mermaid. Uh she has um she's probably been in cheerleading or she does yoga. 
now like we're trying to build a story of who that customer is and then we put that on a poster and we put that up on the wall and we said okay that's our customer avatar that's you know Susie the mermaid and now we need to figure out where Susie the mermaid lives so where does you know what do they spend their time on Facebook doing um, what websites do they go to who do they follow who do they interact with and then aligning ourselves to that um, to that customer avatar and then trying to bring that customer avatar over to our site so it's a very interesting exercise to even just start from that saying who's our most um, who's our ideal customer number one and then secondary kind of push towards that which customer produces the best return on investment for us because there might be a ton of customers that you have uh, and we have that problem inside of of our company which is even if you want to manage one person on time doctor we let you do it it's not a problem at all those people don't really make us that much money um, the customers that we we usually make the majority about 10% of our customer base generates about 80% of our revenue wow so you need to figure out who are those um, who are those tech billionaires those cash cows that are just that have no problem with paying you 5 grand a month to make sure that they're eating their chicken breasts and <laughs> and salad every day uh, if you can get access to those types of customers so you can build multiple customer avatars mm -hmm. but um, what we do is start with that customer avatar and then focus in on trying to figure out where that person lives and really boiling down into that. So as an example, one of the biggest keywords that we're focused on right now is um, silicone mermaid tails. And the reason why is silicone mermaid tails are these mermaid tails made out of silicone and they cost between two to $5,000. So anyone that wants, that is going to buy a two to $5,000 silicone mermaid tail, and there are a lot of them, um, we're probably looking at like 50,000 people a year buy these silicone mermaid tails wow. per year. Anyone that buys that definitely wants to be part of a mermaid school, right? Th th that's a very small cost for them. So we've recognized that that's the customer avatar we want to go after. It's the most profitable one. So then we align ourselves around that. And I, I think if you actually, the company's called Aqua Mermaid, and if you Google silicone mermaid tails, we're everywhere. Um, we we own that as a, a medium, which is we actually don't sell mermaid tails. We just educate you on making your silicone mermaid tail purchase and understand being as helpful as humanly possible, so that you remember us, so that when after you've bought your silicone mermaid tail, you are probably going to sign up for a class with Aqua Mermaid. Awesome. So say if you are an online coach, you figured out your avatar. Now, what would be kind of like a starting strategy for someone who's never done this before to get to that individual to buy their online services? Like, well, how would you help someone start the whole process? I would say to me, one of the most under, um, one of the, one of the mediums that has had the least amount of attention to it recently. And I don't know why is the phone. I would start calling people. Uh, the the way that we started the company at the beginning was I knew that there were like 30 friends of mine that needed this type of product. Mm -hmm. And so when we built it, we said, okay, would you be willing to um, pay us anything 
and we're, we were literally losing money on these guys, but can you pay us anything to deploy this software for you? And we had a lot of people that said yes. So that's where we started. And we started to build out and iterate from there and really kind of build out that, that process. Um, if you want to get more granular on it, I would say it's really going to bring you, you're going to go in three separate directions. You're either going to do paid ads, uh, you're either going to do social media, or you're going to do SEO. I would say those are the three major online kind of avenues that you would want to take yourself down. If you're going to do SEO, here's the fastest and easiest way to do SEO. Write really good content on what your customer avatar wants to talk about. It has to be 3,000 plus words, probably has to include a video tutorial, um, something that is just, you basically would type in what you want to talk about into Google, look at the top 10 blog posts. If you can't write a post that's better than those 10 posts, then don't do it. But if you can write a post that's better than those 10 posts, write it, 3,000 plus words, video tutorial, everything. Um, uh, I'm going to plug my buddy's stuff on uh, uh, Steve from Nerd Fitness. Mm -hmm. He has an amazing blog post on um, squatting. And the thing is like 12,000 words because he's just nuts about trying to figure out how to get those squats perfectly set. So he has best content. And then you put that content up and then you email about 1,000 people that would that have websites that are interested in linking back to you mm -hmm. about that particular article and you do that 50 more times over the next year and you'll have traffic done like that will mm -hmm. that that will get you where you want to go yeah. uh that's going to take you a lot give you it's a lot of work but that'll get you where you want to be uh social is the is the one that I actually have the least experience with, but is the one that probably can produce the best return on investment, dependent upon whether you get lucky. So with Aqua Mermaid, uh, the mermaid company, we ended up doing a promotion where we just kind of fed off of the Little Mermaid, and the um, the owner of the business, her name is Marielle, and the um, the first major interview that we did, the um, the interviewer said, oh, it's it's Mariel from Aqua Mermaid. I mean, or, or is it Ariel from Aqua Mermaid, which is the name of the Little Mermaid? And that kind of stuck. And then that boiled into talking to YouTubers. Um, the YouTubers community really picked up the product, and they wanted to do a mermaid class, and then they do a video about the mermaid class, and that was an entire lead gen process that just kind of snowballed and turned into CBS and ABC and CNN and Vice and all of these guys doing pieces on the classes. And that gave them the backlinks that they needed to be able to rank for the keywords that were producing that continuous dividend of traffic every single month. So that's the social side. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which I would not suggest that you get into unless you have any training in it, is pay-per-click advertising. So Facebook ads, Google ads, those types of things. And on that side, I would actually only focus on retargeting to start. Maybe I'm not getting a little too technical for everybody, but basically retargeting is where you buy. Um, if you go to Amazon right now and you look at a product, like mm -hmm. let's say I'm going to look at, you know, uh, a Pixel 2 as an example, you can, you will then get followed around by Amazon with that Pixel 2 ad for the next 30 days. Yeah. 
that's retargeting. And that's usually your best ad dollar spent because to get someone who came to your website, checked out what you were trying to sell, and then decided not to buy, to get that person back is going to cost you a tenth of what it will cost you to get someone brand new. So go with the retargeting route and then pass that if you can build and you're successful off of that. So if you're spending, let's say, you know, uh, a good a good rule of thumb is if you know that you're going to make $1,000 off of somebody um, within the first month, it really depends on your economics. So it, we have something called the golden ratio, which is one-third of your acquisition costs sorry one third of your lifetime value should be your acquisition cost which means if you're going to make a thousand dollars with somebody with a client the maximum amount of money that you can spend on acquiring that client is 333 dollars mm-hmm. so it's that golden one-third ratio rule so if you can do that you will be making money hand over fist you just need to be able to uh, make sure that you have those numbers because ads can get away with you really quickly without really understanding the return on investment yeah. Okay. Um, so first question with all that, uh, why 3,000 words? I'm kind of curious. Uh, 3,000 words are basically the newest addition to the Google algorithm. Longer content usually produces better indexing for Google. Okay. And it's been something that people ha- – so he- here's, the, here's another kind of golden rule with regards to SEO. You can't beat Google anymore. I've been doing SEO for 10 years, and in the earlier days, you could trick Google a lot. I'm pretty convinced now you can't do it anymore. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is produce really good content to Google because what what Google does is it recognizes that you are not their customer, the searcher is their customer. So what the searcher is looking for is I wanna type something in once and get exactly the right answer at the very top of the search engines. I wanna, basically the, a, a beautiful sequence for Google is I type something in, uh, I click on the first link and I'm on that website for 20 minutes and maybe I've gone to two other pages on that website because I understood exactly, uh, I got exactly what I needed mm-hmm. from that search query. If, however, I type something in, I click on that link, and then I bounce, meaning I leave that website right away and I go back to the search engines, then that's actually a negative mark against you as the person that owns that web page. Because Google says, well, you're not providing a good search experience. You're not actually answering this person's question. So they're measuring all that data. Um, Again, just like it's, it's all machine learning, and they basically recognize, well, you know what, uh, Liam's stuff is not very good anymore and he needs to leave. And one of the biggest variables that connects to that is the length of the article. So if your article is longer, generally people are going to spend longer on your web page. And then if they spend longer on your web page, Google automatically says that that web page is better. So mm-hmm. that's why they're 3,000 words. Yeah. I would actually say if you can afford it, do 5,000 words. But that's going to take a long time. Yeah. Like writing 3,000 words is going to take you two days to really write that piece and mm-hmm. to think about it. And it, it, it's basically gonna have to be your job um, to do it. So I would say it is something that you should only get into if you're truly passionate about recording what you've learned as a trainer and trying to communicate that to people and trying to help people online. 
if you're not in that mindset, then you're probably not going to succeed in SEO and, and probably not really going to succeed as a coach either. Yeah. Because, like, it's always encouraged for coaches in my industry to always, like, update your blogs, you know, consistently as possible. So then you see a lot of coaches doing, like, a blog post that's a thousand words or less. And then they kind of get frustrated that they don't see the traffic that they were hoping for. So that's why I asked the whole 3,000 words Nobody cares. Yeah. I'm not going to read your crappy 1,000-word posts. Thank you very much. Like, if you're not going to put the time in to make it really good Mm -hmm. and engage me as a reader, um, the biggest variable that that you should look at is time on page. So the longer someone spends on your page, the better that piece of content is. And Google looks at that too. That's a direct correlation to whether or not your website is any good. So really important to keep that customer engaged. That's also why, by the way, the newest changes put a YouTube video up on your web page, even if it's not your video. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have like you you want to do um, an article on the overhead uh, uh, front front facing squats. Let's say you're you're gonna you're not gonna do back squats. You're gonna do front squats. So you're mm-hmm. writing an article on front squats. Uh, Bring in an article, the best, or sorry, bring in the best YouTube videos on how to do that. And they don't even have to be yours yeah. because that time on site is going to go up and Google will see, oh, okay, that's a good resource. They've assembled all of the right pieces so that when someone goes and types in how to squat and they see this article, they'll be able to know Google will, is convinced that that searcher is getting the answers that they need. So a lot of the times they think it has to be like really complicated and you have to spend, you know, you have to do your own videos and all that kind of stuff. You don't really need to do that. You just can grab other people's content. Sometimes assembling the best content is the best. We have articles where we'll talk about here are the, um, we, if you type in online collaboration tools, I think we're first for that. And it's a very competitive keyword term for us because we're an online collaboration tool. And the article is, the 47 best online collaboration tools of 2018. So we really did our homework. Like we went through every single one of these 47 and we used them for like two or three days. And we really made sure that we liked them and what we liked about them and didn't like like about them. And Google loved it. And now we're number one for that particular keyword term, which has been great for us. That's awesome. I I think that's a really good approach too. And I think a lot of the coaches listening are going to be like, shit, I need to write a lot more and put some videos on my blog. Um, But the last... I I would personally actually only write once a month, but write a really great post. So if you're going to write four 1,000 word posts or write one 4,000 word post per month, write the one 4,000 uh, word post per month, you'll get better results in Google because you'll actually rank for it. Google doesn't care about a 1,000 word post. They, they're just like, yeah, no, this it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you need the good ones. Yeah. Uh, so maybe for the last question, because I know you can like talk about this stuff a lot, is you know there's a lot of online coaches that I look up to that are doing really well, and then they actually hire like a virtual assistant. And because this is kind of your bread and butter with remote employees, like what is your opinion about virtual assistants? Cause like I've seen different companies where you can hire out in like India or the Philippines and you pay them like 10 bucks an hour and you can get, you know, a full-time assistant. Like, can you like speak on that a, a little bit? Sure. Um, I mean, 
to just give you the short version, it works. Uh, it, it's pretty successful. Um, Vaishali was the person that booked this meeting today yeah. with us. Uh, she's located in Mumbai. Uh, we have people in the U.S. that I work with. I have a I have a personal assistant that works in works for me in the U.S. I have uh, for some activities. I have other assistants that work with me in the Philippines and in India to be able to do different tasks and. All of these things, like they can be very successful, but they're dependent upon one critical component that most people leave out, which is you need to have processes deployed for those people. So unlike an assistant that's face-to-face, if that assistant is doing things incorrectly, you can just go to that assistant and say, no, that's not the way you do it. Uh, This is the way you do it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work when that person is 10,000 miles away. So what you need to do is build out very clear processes, i.e. like how Liam likes to have his emails answered. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, right? All of those, everything needs to be super clear. We have a, I have a personal saying that is now kind of a company saying, which is instructions shouldn't be easy to understand. They should be impossible to misunderstand. Mm -hmm. And it's a small tweak, but once you get that, it is, it, it's a huge eye-opener, like uh, I want to write a post on, um, on how to squat. Please log into WordPress and upload this 3,500-word article into WordPress, go through these 18 other steps, and deploy. Mm-hmm. And... You could come, you know, an assistant can come back saying, well, I don't really know what WordPress is, or I don't know what the login is to WordPress. So pulling all of those pieces throughout the funnel and making sure that they're super clear, like that a five-year-old could figure them out. And you'll feel really stupid when you write these things because you'll be like, well, you know, everyone knows that um, everyone knows that you're supposed to you know, carb load with these types of macros before you this, do this type of workout. Mm-hmm. But no, they don't. It's because you you know what you're talking about and you've just been in that space for so long that you realize, oh, well, you know what? Of course, everyone's supposed to have this, you know, this thing done with regards to, to training. But in reality, you actually have information in your brain that you've been doing for such a long time that you just assume that everyone knows this and you need to be able to get that out of your head. I have that problem constantly where I will uh, say something, I probably said something even in this call like SERPs or LTV. So mm-hmm. LTV counts for counts as lifetime value, which is how long someone works with you. Um, let's say if you're gonna hire someone on a weekly basis as a client, but I'll just say LTV because I always say LTV because I'm in a space where people talk about that all the time. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you get confused. So I need to explain myself completely, make myself impossible to misunderstand. And that's the critical thing that you need to do. Once you've got that locked into place, you can get anyone on planet Earth. It doesn't matter. So, um, and I would say go very cost effective, right? Mm -hmm. So in the Philippines, you know, you can get a pretty good assistant for approximately $1,000 US per month. That's full-time yeah. working for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fantastic asset. 
to know that you're never going to have to answer any of your emails. Um, that person can also answer phone calls for you. So you can just forward, you know, if you have a phone number on your website, you can automatically have that forwarded to that person and then they'll just answer calls for you. It's really a fantastic resource. And for me, I mean, that was really how we had built our business initially. I couldn't afford a $50,000 assistant, but I could afford a $10,000 assistant. So I went that opposite route and, um, it was very successful for me. Yeah, so the other question, too, is like, you know, at what point do you decide that I need a virtual assistant? Because, like, I've heard some different opinions about it, and one person, I can't remember who said it, but it was like, for one day, like, audit everything that you do. Like, write down every little thing that you do and see what those things someone else can do for you. And if you're constantly always busy from, like, morning to night, maybe it's a good time. So in, like, your opinion... At what point should an online coach try to go down the route of hiring a virtual assistant? That, that's a, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a difficult question to answer mm-hmm. because I think everyone would be different. Yeah. Um, maybe we could just ask you, like, what do you spend throughout your workday doing? And how, let's say you're breaking down the average day of what you do, where do, what ratio of time do you put into different things? Because I think actually the only thing that, can't scale Mm -hmm. is you working with clients. Yeah. Right. So you want to maximize the amount of time that you're working with clients because that's where you're going to make money. And then you want to minimize the bureaucracy required to interact with those clients. Mm -hmm. And if you can build that ratio as top, as bottom heavy as humanly possible, meaning I'm talking with clients 90% of the time and I'm only dealing with email and booking sessions with clients 10% of the time, then I'm going to be a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I, you know, I, I, we were talking before this call that I, I've done like 40 podcasts in the last yeah. month. I could not have done 40 podcasts on my own. Yeah. It, it's It was impossible for me to do that. But if you have someone that books all those podcasts for you, preps them, mm-hmm. make sure to see, okay, are, are, you know, would we work together well? Yeah, I think this would communicate well to us. Let's do an outreach. Let's find out whether they're interested. Let's see what we could talk about. Bring in all the social media. Bring in the the bio and the photo and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, that's a lot of work. And then that's all presented and ready. And then I just jump on and do this call. Yeah. Um, I can do a lot more of them. So I think it just kind of just reinforces. And there's probably a certain point in which it's no longer cost effective. So let's say you're talking with clients 80% of the time and you're doing the bureaucracy of the business 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe to get that last 10% is going to cost you more than it would to get an extra hour session in with a client. Like maybe that that ratio doesn't work, but maybe you're doing 50-50 right now. So maybe 50% of your time is spent on clients and 50% is spent on bureaucracy. Well, you know, you could probably deploy a $1,000 a month customer or sorry, employee to be able to like cut that number down to 80-20 yeah. as an example. Okay. So I think that's really what you just need to touch on is like figure out, okay, where does my ratio of time go and how can I expand that? I would probably say, and I'm just going to give you kind of a shotgun idea off the top of my head. Um, if you spend more than half your day in your inbox, you should probably, you're, you're probably not spending your time in the right places. Yeah. 
Awesome. Uh, so very last question, because we're coming up to an hour. Sure. This went by really quick. Uh, where can people find you online? What projects do you have coming out? And anything you want to plug away, you can do so right now. Like I can plug right now? Yeah. I can just go nuts with the plugs? Yeah. Listening? yeah. I hope so, because here's the, here's the best stuff. <laughs> we're going to have uh, timedoctor.com if you want to check out the software. And then if you're really interested in building remote teams, and it, you might be someone who has an assistant right now that's remote, uh, runningremote.com is probably going to be a great place for you to really kind of build out that next level for you. Or even actually, even better yet, probably a lot of people that are listening right now have other um, online trainers, right? How do you manage those online trainers? How do you, how do you get to five online, from five online trainers to 50, right? That's really the playbook that we're trying to build. So it's not about you know, what type of business you run. It's just focusing on building that remote infrastructure and building that playbook. And that's what I'm really passionate about is trying to empower people to work remotely because I truly believe it's the best way to work in the world. And uh, we're just trying to move, you know, move the needle a little bit more uh, with this conference. So those are the two spots, Time Doctor and Running Remote. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Thank you. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 120 with Liam Martin. Hopefully you enjoyed that one as he was surprisingly really interesting because I had no expectations or idea how this interview was going to go. And honestly, he was awesome and had a lot of great information about the online space. So hopefully you enjoyed that one. Now, as always, please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends and family on every social media channel you can think of. And feel free to click the show notes and sign up for the Cut the Shit, Get Fit newsletter where I send awesome crap every single day. Not every day. Sorry, scratch that every week, and I will see you guys next time.